Welcome back to the RTS Masterminds podcast. I'm Balin Martin, formerly designer on Total War Warhammer 2 and 3, Halo Wars 2, Age of Mythology Extended Edition, and now lead designer on Project Minerva. Hi, I'm Brandon Castiel. I'm the lead game designer of Tempest Rising and Warpaws, and I've done a lot of other consulting, and I run a blog um wayward strategy that i update sporadically <laughs> nice um, dude so... i almost just said the real name of the game like <laughs> that's a long pause <laughs> Whoops. Like, oh damn we have to stop recording <laughs> <laughs> time to start over <laughs> <laughs> let's oh, talk man. about stormgate today um so that I was know, just after... revealed after a year of sizzle, we finally get to see some of their stake, right? Yes. Do, do you want to do you want to talk about that whole sizzle topic? We briefly chatted about this on Discord, but I, I thought it would be actually a great opener to this. So, uh, to all that aren't aware, Stormgate is made by Frost Giant Studios. Uh, they are the people that used to be behind StarCraft Two and Warcraft Three, at least the the core crew that was formed forming the company is actually those people and yeah they, they basically just came out that they're gonna make the next big rts they got funding for it and we we didn't really hear a whole lot from them eventually they started what? releasing a little bit of teasing they put out a cinematic trailer revealed that the name is stormgate so started talking about it so how do you feel about <laughs> all that um so Stormgate first announced about a year ago, I think, like specifically, like they showed the trailer and the name and all that stuff about a year ago. And they've kind of started doing like the podcast circuit and talking to, um, I guess not podcasts per se, but like the, the some of the big online YouTube shows for RTS and specifically StarCraft talking about all the stuff they were planning on doing. And uh, what we were talking about on Discord is that there's a really big lead time, or there has been a really big lead time between them saying this is what we're doing and us actually getting to see what they're doing. And as you know, RTS commentators and and creators, I think for for me anyway, I don't want to speak for you, but it was it was very frustrating to hear you know these are all the cool things we're going to do. These are a bunch of people reacting to stuff that they've seen, and oh, this is really cool. This is you know, trust me, I've seen this. It's cool. Um, saying, you know, I want to see it and decide if I think it's cool or not. Uh, and we finally get to see it and, and we can talk about, um, you know, what they've actually done. But that lead time for me has been very frustrating because it's, it's, um, and that's why I, in the intro, I said, you know, if, if it's felt like all sizzle and no steak, you know, mm -hmm. I, I don't want to to smell what you're cooking uh, for a year, just give it to me and let me sample it. Um, we finally got that that sample in front of us. Yes, um, which I'm excited. personally very happy about that we did. So like the one year lead up, I'm actually kind of okay with. I wouldn't say I'm a fan. I'd rather have a faster cadence of information with gameplay being rather front loaded. But the part I got uncomfortable with as as you just said was the reactions to reactions without gameplay that that's the kind of kind of stuff that i'd rather not even know about so from from 
my perspective, I f- first off, I fully agree. I don't like having a bunch of people say, I played it, it's really good. Um, get excited about it. I don't I don't like that. I don't like that style of marketing. Mm. Um, but I, I think my the way I have been approaching it is I'm pretty sure they kind of had to do this. They had to get investor funding. Yes. Um it was it behooved them to get people talking about the game. And clearly that's that's worked. They have a, a pretty big subreddit. I don't know about their Discord or anything, but uh, they uh, seem they to have, have a Discord. There's a pretty a, big it's like a fan Discord, a bunch. So that isn't yet built up apparently. But okay. with the with the beta soon coming out, I assume that's going to change. I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure they're gonna have a big content push around the yeah. the release of their um their beta. Which is but... a month from when we're recording, somewhere in July 2023. Very much looking forward to it. Obviously, I've signed up. <laughs> yeah, I think I signed up to be a part of that like as soon as the signups opened. I think we about crashed their site when they first uh, <laughs> did their beta signups. Very true. Um but no, I mean it's it's been remarkably successful for them. Um even before their their announce uh or before their actual gameplay reveal, they broke the top 100 uh, most wishlist most wishlisted games on Steam, which is you know, without showing anything substantial that's a pretty big feat i mean they had shown some some concept art and some screenshots and for valentine's day they did a little gif uh and in the the previous week uh up to their their reveal they shared some videos with like content creators and had them them share them and it's that's been a good kind of build up i don't mind that i don't mind saying oh here's a unit here's uh a little clip here's you know some stuff to kind of whet your appetite um but that man, that year of of saying, you know, I saw it and you can't, and it's really cool. Trust me, that was that was kind of frustrating. Um, but again, I, I think they they kind of had to do that. And while parts of it didn't sit well with me, I think overall um, it seems to have worked for them. So I have to say though, they actually don't have all that many views on like the YouTube trailers. Do you have any concern that this is not going to be as far-reaching of a game as perhaps Frost Giant would hope? Or, or do you think like the actual release trailers will be the ones that really get things going with the free-to-play monetization model also constantly trickling in the players? How will this work out? Yeah, so I think this is not the ending of anything for them. This is the beginning of a lot of real work for them, mm-hmm. right? Um so, you know, they had like a big Washington Post article. They've had a cover of PC Gamer, and that was all before they revealed anything. Um, so I think from here, it's going to be easier for them to get big interviews and get big um, coverage from kind of main, more mainstream outlets. Um, so I think they have a decent chance of continuing to increase their mind share from here as they show more stuff and as they... Um, you know, are able to to show behind the curtain more. So I think from here they have more opportunity than they've ever had, uh, and they did pretty well, honestly, with with what they've uh, with what little shit they showed before. You know, earlier this week or last week or whenever. Yeah, it was. the reveal no concept was, of time anymore. <laughs> the reveal itself was, I think, overall showing some pretty decent gameplay. So we're sort of looking at something between StarCraft 2 and Warcraft 3 
very much on the side of Warcraft 3's pacing, but armies being in between the two in terms of size. And obviously you've got the sci-fi universe for the setting. With an economy like Warcraft 3's, it's a pretty interesting mix of things actually around that front. Do you, do you think it's similar to Blizzard games in a good way, or is it too similar? Hmm... That is a big and tough question. And I think the caveat we have to put in front of ourselves right now is that it's kind of early to to definitively say that. Right now, I think it might seem a little too similar, but we haven't seen a lot of the stuff that they're working on yet. Um, So how I've been kind of personally viewing it is it's like like 40% um, Warcraft, 40% Starcraft, uh, actually kind of 10% uh, Age of Empires, uh, not Age of Empires, good Lord, wayward. Um, <laughs> kind of like 10% like Red Alert 2. And I want to talk about that briefly. Uh, and then kind of 10% their own thing. Mm-hmm. And my guess is, my hope anyway, and expectation is that the more we see that percentage of their own thing is going to increase. Um, but right now, yeah, it's very, very obvious that they're kind of trying to make something that that feels both like Warcraft three and like Starcraft two. Um, but yeah, I, I saw some surprising stuff that reminded me of red alert two that I found kind of charming. Honestly, I think one of my favorite um, reveals was a unit called the scout and it's supposed to be <laughs> a, an acronym. I don't know what, I don't remember what it's supposed to stand for, but it's basically like a blizzardified version of the dogs from Red Alert 2. Yes. And I say blizzardified because in Red Alert 2, they instantly killed what, uh, when they attacked infantry, they instantly killed them. And that doesn't happen in this game. Um, but I, I actually thought that was really clever and charming. And as someone who, who kind of likes that style of game, I was really happy to see that. Uh, also, it's, you know, I've written about, um, scouting and one thing i really like that age of empires does is they give you those dedicated scout units i think that's a lot more intuitive than kind of the worker system that blizzard traditionally has has implemented um the other red alert thing and they didn't really call this out and that makes sense because resources aren't like big sexy things to talk about uh but the other thing that interested me was their secondary resource it's called therium and it kind of looks a little bit like Tiberium from it the kind of does, doesn't it? <laughs> but it it works more like ore from Red Alert Two, which is why I reference Red Alert Two specifically. Um, so it it starts out in a little field on the map and it expands over time. We don't see that it has any gameplay effect or has any. Um, it, we have no indication that it does something like Tiberium, where it damages infantry that cross it. Um, but over time, the field spreads and then enriches. So you have the idea of you know, sitting it there and leaving it and being able to have it gain value over time, which is something that is, you don't see in any, any other Blizzard game. No, you really um, don't. Uh, it, it's something that's also common in the H series where you have all these herdable animals that you collect and they fatten over time. So you can save them for later, use the other sources of food first and then transition yourself over um, before you make your farms then. So that, yeah, that it, is totally viable there. And here, I suppose, it has to do a little bit with encouraging expansion bases so that you get those first. You don't fully saturate all your resources, but rather spread out a little bit so that you keep the diminishing returns of worker income at bay 
and rather you spread out, you claim the map and you spread out the conflict, which makes for better viewing experience for sure. I'm not sure if everybody's into that for playing. A lot of people <laughs> like the turtle, uh, but competitively speaking, it's good for the game. Yes. Well, so it's, it's something that's kind of near and dear to my heart because uh, in Tempest Rising, our resource also kind of works like that. And I've talked about this um, about two months ago, we released a kind of a PVP like demonstration video where I talked a little bit about how Tempest works. Um, and it, it's a plant that also grows and enriches over time. Um, and it's the the primary resource and the fields are, are quite large as they are in, in kind of, you know, classic Command and Conquer games, as opposed to the smaller fields that you saw in um, like Command and Conquer 3, where they were these fixed size circles. Um, but, and I'm not going to make the whole thing about my game, I promise. But um, <laughs> we got to do an um, episode though. I'd love to at some point. Yeah. Um, <laughs> get some, get some advertising for my own thing. Hell yeah. Um, but yeah, so their their stated reasoning uh, for Therium is very similar to one of the things I was trying to do with Tempest, where um, you're kind of trying to manage how fast you harvest it. Um, with with Tempest, one of the things we're trying to do is encourage what I call maintenance harvesting. So you put enough harvesters on the field to be able to continually gain resources without depleting the whole field. Um, with Tempest. Uh, it grows such that that being close to an existing pod helps the other pods grow faster. Um, so if you denude the whole field, if you harvest the whole field down to the core, um, it takes a very, very long time to grow back. But if you do this maintenance harvesting, you can kind of keep this indefinite uh, source of income in your base. Um, so I'm trying to encourage players to like spread around the map and maintenance harvest uh, several fields as opposed to permanently harvesting one. And it gets deeper than that for me. And I think for them too, because they've implied that there are other ways to gain Therium. They said something about underground seams of it or um, like, like sealed, like you have to like destroy mm. it and it pops open or something. So they have a couple of different things they're doing with, they seem to be trying to do with Therium that I think are potentially interesting. Yeah, man. Um, I mean, they have these creeping systems, right? And I'm sure it will come into play in that form as well, that certain caches of resources will be guarded by creeps that you'll then have to go out and defeat. So they want more than just traditional map control of, oh, I'm sitting my army down at your future base. You can't come over here until you beat my army. And so I keeping vision and all that stuff. So it, it goes into creeping now in, in, in Stormgate, just like in Warcraft, but not for a hero XP reward. Although we'll get to that when we talk about <laughs> team games, but uh, for 1v1, it's about resources and buffs. Do you think that this has some good implications for a StarCraft, Warcraft mix 1v1 game? So I, I really like the idea of creeping, especially creeps that come back. That was one of my biggest frustrations with Warcraft 3. And I think they might have said something similar themselves, where creeping is like a phase that goes away in the mm -hmm. game. Um, and the idea of continuing, continually being able to come back to these, um, creep camps to get the buff again. Um, and they did for people who might not have heard, they did say that some of the creep camps would contain kind of like a league of legends or Dota style buff that you can like 
def- it sounds like you can just go claim it and you'd be able to like leave it undefended and have someone come and steal the buff from you and get it as well. So you might want to like protect it. Yeah, exactly. Um, MOBAs have this figured out and <laughs> it's, it's RTSs well, that just weren't backporting this feature for the longest time. And I, I have some uh, d- discarded game concepts with actually the very similar uh, sort of systems and I, I think really all of us in this space are coming to the same conclusion on this front. Be very surprised so, if that's not the case. It, it's going to be interesting because one of the easiest ways to turn off your kind of average RTS fan, at least the one that feels like they need to comment on Reddit and Discord, is to to make something feel like a MOBA. Like it's a really kind of visceral reaction. We saw that with Dawn of War three, um, where they did stuff like divide them some of the maps into lanes and people are saying oh it's just a MOBA now their win condition was kind of similar to what um you do in a MOBA but yeah it it remains to be seen as to what side of the the line that is on for players for me I love I love the idea of being able to to uh you know push out there on the map and have these these interactive things going on in the map Uh, that's one thing I love about like relics games like company of heroes where you have these points that you're constantly fighting over and it keeps the focus on the at least partially on the map as opposed to the other player um and i think that will be that will be useful and interesting but i have a little bit of a concern that some players are going to say well this is just a moba and i want to play an rts and not a moba and partially because i've seen people say things like that about other rts systems even some in some cases things that don't feel very moba ish to me um yeah, so, I, I think there's a line there for sure, like you su- suggest, that some features of MOBAs are perhaps much more acceptable to an RTS player. So, for example, heroes are a contentious topic. So what does Frost Giant do? They have heroes and they don't have heroes. <laughs> kind of appeal to both sides of the argument. And I, I think with your example regarding... Dawn of War 3, the problem really was that they took the worst part of MOBAs and put it in in a game <laughs> that's least suitable to accept it, to receive that. And yeah, I mean, lanifying maps essentially means that you are locked into very linear paths that you can't deviate from, and thus you can surprise your opponent in a game about wits. That, that doesn't work. You're well, just, you might as well I, not have an RTS, right? I don't want to make the whole conversation about Dawn of War 3. Mm. That that always happens when Dawn of War 3 comes up is it kind of eats Sorry. the whole <laughs> conversation. Um, but yeah, so some of the some of the map design was problematic in Dawn of War 3. And one of the big things was um, once you started capturing some of the mid-map stuff, you got both kind of concrete resource advantages and also you had these like victory point or lane advantages. So you, you didn't have that, that feeling of like, I'm giving up something to do this. It was just win more sort of, sort of systems that they set up. Uh, And part of that was due to the, to the map design, but there were better and worse maps in, in Dawn of War three. And I think the, um, the map map design was one complaint, but also the, the victory condition where you had to defeat the, uh, as was the shields and then the turrets and then the core, um, yeah, I think that, that, that time kind of thing, turned, that, that's probably the worst off. aspect because you can't just skip one and go for the next thing. 
even if you still really want to force that victory condition, not having a choice as to which one to take is just very anti-decision-making. And I, I think Frost Giant is very much on the opposite side of, of that kind of game design where they really want the player to be in control of, of what kind of decisions get to be made. So for example, they give you now all these choices of fast expanding teching, r rushing, or just trying to control the map and take creeps, or just playing completely standard safe macro, kind of defending at home, hard turtling. They, they create all these paths for the player to take, and all of them are supposed to be at least somewhat valid in given each situation, right? Also, I I want to keep talking about map design because um, I think Stormgate has some really interesting things that they're doing. Okay. Um, but I kind of want to also jump back 10 minutes in our conversation <laughs> uh, because we started talking about whether we thought that Stormgate was too close to existing Blizzard IPs, and then we kind of did a little rabbit trail around it. Um, sure. So Let's go back to that. Going, going back to that real quick. Um, I have seen some concerns about how the Vanguard faction, that's what the humans are called um, before we were calling them the human resistance, I think, but now they officially are called the Vanguard. Um, there were some concerns about them maybe being a little too starcrafty and i wanted to know what your thoughts were on that because uh, myself and my discord have had a lot of conversations mm. about that and we're a pretty small corner of the rts space but um i think it's it's kind of interesting because we've had some conversations where people have said oh you know some of this might be incidental some of this might be um kind of like a like a nudge nudge and a wink sort of thing um but then it comes out and one of the the units the exo in stormgate is basically a terran marine basically down to down to the stem. Um, <laughs> I actually think that, that they have a really interesting they have a really interesting spin on the stem mechanic. Uh, we didn't get to see it in action, but they released a like a one pager on all the different units and it describes the ability. And how their ability works is they get a speed boost. Uh, but if they attack, it deals double damage or attacks twice and then the speed boost goes away. So they could use that to get away from things, to get up to things, um, or to do damage, but it's not like a marine where they just get this consistent um, DPS boost plus a speed boost at the same time. They kind of have to choose. Uh, and I don't, it doesn't say the duration of the speed boost, but there may be a, an option to both maneuver and attack, but not continually do so at the same time. So I think that it's an interesting spin on the ability, but functionally the thing really feels and looks like a Terran Marine, it's right? It's still STEM, it's still a Marine, right? <laughs> <laughs> in, in a way, with a twist. And I guess the dogs are kind of like Zerglings when they showed that little engagement where the mm -hmm. doggos wrapped around the the exos. That totally looked to me like playing ZBT. Yeah, that felt a lot like um, like that interaction. And then the Lancer kind of also feels like a Zealot. Um, yes. He doesn't, he doesn't seem to have a charge, but he, he feels kind of like the same sort of thing where he's got a blade and he's getting up close to things. Um, yeah, and he's tanky, that... so... You know, it, it, it's taking aspects you know what, of you know what it actually Starcraft races me? and putting it into one, but also taking aspects of Warcraft tech trees and mm -hmm. putting that in there. So, like Warcraft humans with their workers, they get to have the militia, right? And the bobs, the workers of the human resistance, they also get that. 
Sorry, Vanguard. I think that's awesome. Honestly, I loved seeing that with the ability to boost your workers to be able to um, use them as a defense. Now, based on what we saw in the clip, and this is super early, this is like alpha pre-alpha for them still, uh, and possibly an old build, who knows? Um, it seems like it didn't do very much, and it might be interesting to see if it they buffed it a little bit. Uh, but I mean, it's really, really early to talk about a lot of that. Um, but I, I loved the idea. I love seeing that and being, being able to use the workers as a part of your defense like um, Monk did in, in the hmm. gameplay footage. I, I loved seeing that. That was one of the my favorite my favorite things they, seem to get they showed off. Tanky in the process. That's that's where, yeah, where it I definitely think most did of the buff, them, buff seems to go. It definitely did make them seem to make them survive a lot longer. Hmm. Um, but I think without those two Vulcans coming out in that in that clip, um, <laughs> it wouldn't have it wouldn't have done very much. It just made have made their um, defeat slightly longer. <laughs> yeah, now the Vulcans are um, not Starcrafty. I'll say that. That's. That's probably their 10% Frost Giant take on RTS. <laughs> <laughs> and same same deal with, uh, with with the natural walling, right? Where you have the trees that can be That's... tapped through by the infantry, but these big mechs, they, they're too thick. They can't, <laughs> they can't do that. Uh, they, they'll need their upgrade to smash through, which, which is that... really cool. That's another thing I really like seeing uh, as well, whether they had this really nuanced terrain system where uh, it kind of reminded me of, uh, I don't know if you played Emperor Battle for Dune, but I think Dune 2000 might have also had this as well. They had something called infantry rocks where infantry could be crushed in those games, but you could walk them onto certain terrain types that vehicles couldn't go into. Um, and then they were safe from being crushed. It felt like that sort of thing. Um, so... Uh, I'm sorry, I meet my daughter in the background. Um, <laughs> oh, good. She's she's yelling for me. Um, I don't know. She's... Soon TM. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, eventually. <laughs> um, but anyway, the um, the infantry the the trees kind of reminded me of that where infantry can pass through them, but vehicles can't. But they also give you lots of methods to like the Vulcan is the first vehicle that came out in that match and it was able to crush those trees with its dash ability. Now, I don't think it came out of the factory with the dash ability. They, they implied that there's unit upgrades, um, yes, kind of like Warcraft three. So it, it seemed like that's an upgrade, but, but if your first vehicle is able to get a, an ability to let it break down those trees, that means that it's kind of like, um, what the Protoss force field ended up being right. Well, you know, eventually the Protoss force field in Starcraft two started out being this really game warping thing where they kind of had the balance of the whole Protoss faction around it, but eventually they got systems where things could crush those force fields and there was more counterplay. Uh, and this feels like that to me where you can kind of use infantry to dodge in and out of the rocks with uh, in the very early game, but then kind of the early to mid game, uh, you get these fairly early things that are able to to maneuver around those trees and, and interact with them. Um, so I, I think that that shows that there's a really big possibility space around that kind of one terrain system they showed off, even with the existing units. And they only showed us what, like four or five units or something. Um, that that gives a lot of possibility space around the even the limited roster they showed us so far. Yeah, and tier three, they didn't show tier three. So there's that to consider. We'll see what happens with that. Um, well, so, stay tuned in the uh, space. I'm interested to see what happens with tier three, but what I'm saying is I'm happy that at tier one and tier two mm -hmm. already they have um, systems to kind of manipulate this. Oh yeah, yeah. This terrain and that's a fair uh, amount of diversity. Like you also have the uh, I forgot the name of the unit, the siege tank like thing. Uh, do you remember? 
Uh, it's called the Atlas. Atlas, yes. Yeah, that that was one of the bigger letdowns for me, honestly. And I, I'm sure it's it's not a huge deal for them to either increase the the damage or the shot speed, but those shots were very slow and it would seem to be very easy to dodge them. Mm. And then even when they hit, they didn't seem to do very much. I think it's a great concept uh, and kind of like a, a fun way to go halfway between the siege tank and the, what is it? The Protoss disruptor um, sort of thing. But I, I liked the idea of it. It just, it, I don't feel like it showed very well in the footage. Uh, and that's not saying it's a bad unit. I'm just saying that, uh, at this stage of their development, mm-hmm. uh, it didn't show as, as well as I think they would have wanted well, it to. They do have this whole design direction around let's not make splash damage so lethal as to have it delete entire armies when you look away for two seconds to place some buildings, right? They, they yeah, don't want I- that, uh, but they still want there to be some significant micro play to it. I think they've gone way too far on the direction of let's not have lethal AOE. <laughs> yeah. And that didn't I mean, seem threatening. No, it, it really didn't seem threatening. And that's the big thing. I, I think either it needs to do more damage or the shot, the shot needs to hit faster. Uh, but these are all really simple changes and I'm sure exactly. they're aware of it. And I'm sure they probably wish it would have showed better when they showed it off. Um, you know, for all we know, they just had an arbitrary cutoff point and they were like, ah, you know, we didn't get to well, make the quite video get, now. get where we wanted. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, uh, that kind of stuff happens a lot. So I'm, I'm not going to be too harsh about this. I'm, I'm sure many others have said this b- before already. In fact, I've well, and that's why I wanted that to, from others already. So that's why I wanted to mention it because I feel like kind of our our unique angle, our niche on this is that we're doing this from a game designer perspective, kind of from the in, inside. Um, and I know there were some things, you know, when we did, when Fred and I did our, our PVP thing for Tempest and I was, it was like, oh, <laughs> I kind of wish we would have had some of that other stuff to working right um, uh, behind the scenes. And it, it, we were able to cut some of that out. But, also, even, um, even if you do your absolute best, when, when people really start hammering your game, as a game designer, you're never going to think of everything that a player is going to do. And I'm not saying that that happens in a one-to-one ratio, but when you throw 100,000 people at the game and they together accumulate entire lifetimes of, of playtime, that's when you really start seeing the crazy strategies come up and you find the exploits and, and all that stuff that you never have time to test as a designer. Like You're mostly just looking for the intended way. Your QA is trying to break it a little bit and... Uh, you kind of hope for the best, to be honest, when you release. But people will break <laughs> your thing, and you'll have to patch yeah, I, it. And that's when it gets good, when you have a good cadence of patches. Mm-hmm. I, I actually saw, I think it was this morning on Reddit, um, someone said something like, if you put in 10,000 hours of QA, which is a lot, um, and 100, and uh, sorry, if you put in 100,000 hours of QA and then 100,000 people buy your game, they will sort of, kind of, you know, do that hundred thousand hours in the first hour they spend playing the game. Now it's obviously it's not a one-to-one because players aren't QA and they're, yeah. they're looking for different things, but it kind of puts it into perspective that like, it's just you, know, you could put a tremendous amount of work into fixing something up, but then, you know, half a million people touch your thing and they're, they're going to find stuff that you missed and they're going to find rough ed- edges that you didn't sand down. Um, so there's definitely that sort of, uh, that sort of truth that, you know, you can only do so much before it hits, you know, that kind of mass market. Um, I but, think. Yeah. So anyway, uh... I think I think the the atlas has potential. Um, 
and I'm interested to see where they go with it. Personally, I think it's ugly. I don't like it very much. Um, they, I think they might have updated the model since they recorded that video because some of the stuff they were showing on Twitter kind of shows the legs. And I don't know if that's player color or or not, but the 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 leg color seems to have changed. Maybe the the size and shape of the legs. But I don't know. I, I don't find it very attractive as a unit. Um, yes. Do we want to talk about graphics as our last topic for today, as we're kind of running short on time, so we kind of gotta. Yes, this nail is down my fault. Last this, thing will be. This is this is my fault, everybody. I, I'm I'm limited on time today. Um, so no worries. We'll do to... probably an episode too. I, I think there's plenty yeah, of topics there's... left to discuss, like heroes, like uh, going further on map design because we really haven't gotten around to it. We can talk <laughs> about uh, the different game modes. We can talk so... about. Really quick, what I want to what I want to talk about, and I've said this several times, but my absolute favorite thing that I saw in the footage was the med tech. Um, I am a huge sucker for. I love <laughs> the Warcraft Two style tier two support caster, and the med tech is that. Now, I think Monk in an interview, and also possibly in um, uh, some other stuff that was that was released alongside the footage. Um, it has three abilities. Uh, it can heal and provide armor, like Inner Fire. Um, it has an ability that will heal an ally or damage an enemy over time. And then it kind of has like a dispel sort of ability where it can um, remove debuffs from allies and buffs from enemies. Or mm. maybe it's vice versa. It's it's something like that, though. Um, and I, I love that sort of thing. I think it's adorable. I, I didn't really like it when I first saw it. But from a game perspective, like looking at it above, from above, I think it's a it's a great model. Um, but yeah, I can't wait to. That's the number one thing I want to be able to play with in the game is the med tech. So far, uh, I love that sort of unit, and I think it's a it's a really neat idea. Um, so I just wanted to say that real quick. No, that's good. Uh, Let's keep talking about units. Actually, I think that's the cleanest <clears throat> outro to this. Really. Um, so I, I also like that actually that that you have this infantry based healing option um, to keep your keep your basic army going and so that you don't get rolled over by tech immediately as soon as the Vulcan numbers go up. We, we've certainly seen, at least from this from the setup that they've done in the videos, that infantry is very numerous, but we'll have to see in the actual game how much that stands up. Now, there's one, there's two more units that were showcased. One of them is the uh, dropship. I actually forgot the exact name, but it's basically a medevac, right? It's, it's, uh, it can so pick it's up not, heal. it's not a medevac. It can't heal. Uh, it's I'm pretty basically, sure I've seen it heal. Um, no, they, they made it clear that it, all it is is a dropship. It is just a dropship. Okay. Um, so I, I think the healing, what might've been the, the med techs nearby. Um, huh. but yeah, I'm actually looking right now at a comment on Discord, and I, I trust the the person pretty well. Sounds good. Uh, sounds good. Sorry, <laughs> my mistake. Of, no, no, it's it's fine. I, I think a lot of people assume that, but the the ability that it has though is actually really interesting. Um, it has an ability that will make it automatically retreat to the factory that produced it, or I guess the nearest air factory. Uh, so kind of like Company of Heroes, mm -hmm. uh, you push the button, it gets a speed boost, it turns around, you can't control it, but it goes right back to the uh, the nearest air factory or the factory. Oh, that's that dangerous for intercepts. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it's it's really interesting. Like You'd be able to predict retreat paths and be able to put things on the way, and it's going to have a speed boost, but... Um, but yeah, it feels a lot more like the the warp prism or even the traditional um, dropship. Yeah, it's, it's got it's... such a long pickup range. 
Oh my god! <laughs> it really seems to. Yeah, it's it's like <laughs> what, what is it like four unit lengths or something? It's it's something pretty, like it's pretty, that. It was it was pretty, pretty generous. <laughs> Which does make for fun gameplay. And and there's the thing that really comes up that the uh, Atlas that was the unit, right? The mm-hmm. yeah, the artillery. The, the artillery. Uh, yeah, so even that can be picked up even when deployed. So a little bit of a flashback for you early Legacy of the Void players. <laughs> you, got the, you got the siege tank pickups when they were deployed. Uh, it, it shouldn't be as powerful, of course, um, considering that the Atlas itself isn't is as damage heavy. But it, it sure makes for some good micro, and they've showcased like pickup micro versus pickup micro. The dropship mm-hmm. itself seems fairly survivable. So I, I'm looking forward to seeing what kind of micro there will be with that. And then there uh, lastly was an air unit as well that seemed to have a support role and it wasn't on the fact sheet. What's I going know, on? I, I want to know about it too, because like I said, I, I'm a big sucker for spellcasters and it's clearly some sort of spellcaster. To me, it looks kind of like a mix between the science vessel and the um, the vulture, not the vulture, the raven. Um so I, I don't know. I, I want to know what it does. It seems to have some sort of weak attack, which makes me think High Templar mm-hmm. sort of thing, where they were adding uh, attacks to some of those casters to keep them at range a little better. Um, but yeah, we as far as I know, uh, I've been watching some videos. I hadn't seen it do anything yet. Um, it's implied that it might be a detector because of that eyeball thing on top. Oh, yeah. Um, Good point. But yeah, I don't know. I, somebody posted the name of it. I can't find it. Uh, it's sky something, um, I think, or wind stride or something like that. I don't know. It's something like that. Um, I'm sure we'll have people in the comments telling us what the name is and probably what it does for all I know. But like you said, it's not on the fact sheet that they provided. Um, so that's still a bit of a mystery, but I know it's a spellcaster and I want to know what it does. Um, but yeah, definitely one of the high points to me is the the micro potential they already showed off with, like you said, the scouts uh, basically being like Zerglings. Hmm. Um, one thing I don't think I said yet, and forgive me if I already did, um, the Lancer and the Exo, um, the Exo is the, the Marine guy, um, that does feel a little bit like a, a Zealot and a Marine, but it also feels like a Footman and a uh, Dwarven Rifleman from Warcraft 3. It's kind of got that same sort of like bulky. Yes. Uh, and, and I think the Lancer is implied as having some sort of like defensive ability as well. Um, I think the fact sheet said something about him shrugging off damage with an upgrade. Uh, so I don't know. He, so I, I like that you kind of have a little bit of Warcraft and a little bit of Starcraft in it. Um, but I, I do want to play something that's not Warcraft and Starcraft. Um, and I, I really want to see with, with future updates um more things that make stormgate feel like stormgate um as opposed to feeling like something that's kind of starcraft and kind of warcraft I yeah, wanted to try to feel more like it's good but it's as a as a competitive player that keeps jumping around in these different rts's actually the learning curve is very easy for someone like myself to just quickly pick things up and you already transfer all the fundamentals sure the deep strategies are another story and if you go to an old game it's hard but when you go to a new game and and you kind of already know all the fundamentals i don't know i kind of wish the new rts has challenged you mechanically in a different format and that would be great if frost giant could come up with 
with a with, with a unique piece of theirs that's only Stormgates, and it's not just the raw Blizzard DNA. But maybe that's not their objective. Like they very much said that they are going to respect that Blizzard DNA and make a spiritual successor. So I think that might not be happening, in fact, and it will be just that comfy, familiar zone to be in. Um, okay, so I think I'm uh, about out of time right now. All good, all good. So we're going to wrap up here, and we're going to at some point do a second episode, and we'll super quickly uh, just suggest everybody to make sure to subscribe to our YouTube because we're starting to grow that a little bit. And we also have a Patreon if you want to support our project directly with ad-free listening as well as access to our Discord as well as Q&As. But because we don't have that many patrons yet, how about in the YouTube comment section we'll take some comments and do a Q&A episode in the future. Maybe we'll even do a separate community post for that. So we'll see you there. Awesome. Sounds great. It was great talking with you and uh, looking forward to doing part two in the near future. We'll be back.